Today is the end of the Republic. The end of a regime that acquiesces to disorder. This fierce machine which you have built, upon which we stand, will bring an end to the Senate, to their cherished fleet. All remaining systems will bow to the First Order and will remember this as the last day of the Republic! What's up, meeples? On today's show, we discuss the news of the transfer of the Star Wars license from Fantasy Flight Games to Atomic Mass Games. We talk about all the concerns and fears that have stemmed online and give your own opinions on what we see happening with those games in the future. Along with the weekly news and Kickstarter campaigns, this is the podcast for Corridor Gaming Community. What's up guys, my name is Jason. My name's Ian. And we are two game club organisers shooting the breeze about tabletop gaming. So pop the kettle on, grab a brew, and let's get on with today's episode. And we are going to jump straight in this week because we got a massive discussion to have. Uh, it was announced on November 16th that Asmodee were going to be having a strategic reorganisation. Rough translation for that means they are streamlining their business, which means they're basically moving all of their miniature productions, which includes all of the Star Wars franchise that they currently have, which is obviously your X-Wing, Armada and Legion, and they are moving that production and further development over to Atomic Mass Games, which is now deemed as their sole miniature producing arm of the company, if you like. So we've heard that name before. One of Jason's favourite games is Marvel Aven- uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol, the miniatures game. And they are the ones who have been making that for the last year and a bit, I think. It is, yeah. This has all sort of come as a bit of a shock to me, to be completely honest, because Atomic Mass Games was, this time last year, no one had ever heard of Atomic Mass Games before. They just randomly turned up on a Fantasy Flight stand at one of the gaming cons, who remembers those. I miss those. <laughs> I think we all do. Um, and people weren't really sure what, what they were doing, and then the next thing you know, they had all these amazing boards out, and suddenly there was Marvel miniatures all over the place, and ever since then, they have released countless amounts of miniatures, and they've created what is one of my favourite tabletop games of all time. So, as you can imagine, a announcement like this has stirred up some uh, feelings, shall we say, <laughs> uh, online, as does everything, I suppose, nowadays. But we're going to talk about a few of the concerns, a few of the questions, and basically chime in on our personal opinions on it. Yep, and we're going to give our theories on where we think things are going as well and what might come out of this big move. So just to clarify, we literally do not have much official information at all other than they have officially announced the split. So this is a lot of our own opinions and we have been doing opinion polls and stuff to find out a general consensus as well. Uh, A little bit of information to start with. One of my key things that I'm actually very happy about is from what I can see no one at Fantasy Flight and I'm not saying this 100% but no one at Fantasy Flight is going to be losing their job over this a large quantity of the team is moving over to Atomic Mass Games so just to clarify what games have moved we know Star Wars X-Wing 
we have Star Wars Armada and we have Star Wars Legion are the three they've announced for now. And obviously the, the, the behemoth among that name is without doubt X-Wing and I think they're where a lot of the um, worries, shall we say, have come from online. Yeah, I, it's understandable though. We'll come full circle onto that in a little bit. Right, let's start with the online opinions. Let, let's just go dive straight into it and give our you know our, our opinions on those opinions if you like <laughs> uh-huh, i wanted to do the opinions of our opinions on those opinions yep opinions all around i think is probably the best thing so a couple of the the fears if you like from from the online community and, and the key one is you know are you going to change my game you know and i think that goes for all three games yep as an Armada player, Ian, do you have any worries about them really changing the game? The biggest worry, if the game changed, is the financial input that we've put into these games. You know, Armada is the most expensive of the lot. Um, not by numbers, because obviously I think X-Wing would easily out-total Armada, but individual ships. Armada ranges from the cheapest of, um, let's say, £17, roughly, RRP, up to 150 quid. <laughs> you know, Yeah, yeah. It's quite a range, to be fair. One, the, the high end is the Super Star Destroyer. Personal opinion, I th- actually think Armada's going to be the first one to receive any kind of attention because, I mean, how long's it been? How long's it been out for to start with? And they've not really done a reboot per se. No, we've been lucky. We haven't had a reboot. We've had new upgrades now. You can buy an upgrade kit to make all of the card sizes standard which is actually a good idea. And they were literally just dipping their toe into following X-Wing into the um, Republic versus Separatists, which is another worry in itself of them abandoning Fantasy Flight, abandoning the game after releasing two new factions with very limited ships. It's, mm. But as you just said, the last big announcement was the um, the Starhawk for the Rebels um, and a few other bits and pieces, but it's been so sparse over like one or two ships a year if we're lucky. Mm. You know, the Super Star Destroyer was in itself there was no rebel ships to counteract that as i said i'm gonna be biased because i'm a rebel player and are you you know the game is expensive enough i couldn't afford to front both fleets with all of my other hobbies you know yeah um i've spoken to a few armada players uh about it and it, it's nice to see but they're cautiously optimistic yeah uh, about what will come they're actually open to the idea of Either a reboot or a, or a version two, but they're what they're worried about is they don't want the X-wing effect of version two, which we can now talk about. Obviously, it's very recent the X-wing received a version two, and it was a real fifty-fifty split, I think, online and in person uh, as to whether people really liked it or whether they disliked it. One of the key things that people complained about was they were essentially having to spend, say, a hundred pounds on bits of cardboard in order to use the models that they'd already spent £400 on yep. in order to continue playing the game. And I think that's another one of the fears online is that they're going to have to do that again. I think they're worried that version 3 is going to turn up on their door next week and, you know, another £100 is going to have to disappear. Yeah, or the other big scare is that they just basically scrap the game altogether and start again, at which point none of your stuff's usable. And that's one of my fears, you know, I don't think it will ha- I'm 99% sure it won't happen. But it's one of my fears, even with Armada, that they just suddenly say all of those bits of plastic that you paid hundreds and hundreds of pounds for are no longer usable at all. Yeah, I mean, that that's a very justified fear. Um, no no one really knows what they're going to do with that. I would say the, the likelihood of that happening is very, very slim. And I agree with that, but it's something that cannot, until an official thing rules that out, something that cannot be ruled out. Same, and it goes for all three games, Legion as well. Yes, 
Agreed. All the fears are going to be basically the same across all three platforms, but one of the fears I have personally seen with Legion, for example, is the changing of the kits. Now, this I'm on the fence about, because... Obviously, I play Legion and I play Marvel Crisis Protocol. I have obviously built kits from both sides. As a kit, I actually prefer the Marvel Crisis Protocol kits. I think the kits are really nice. The plastic is better and the sculpts, for the most part, I I actually prefer them. However, one thing, and I've complained about it constantly, is their obsession with tiny little pieces that don't (laughs) need to be there, you know. And that's something that you don't have with Legion. That nothing was more great fun back in the days when we were actually allowed board game clubs to be sitting on our Friday nights. A couple of us had got a few pints in the venue that we had, crack out a board game, and Muggins over here decides to roll up with his brand new fancy crisis protocol stuff, small bit of glue, thinking, yeah, I'll put this model together, it'll look good. Ten minutes later, we're looking over and um, seeing him trying to resist the urge to hurl it across the entire (laughs) length of the venue. It is indeed very, very true. And that's not something you would have ever seen with me doing with Legion miniatures. Now, are things going to change with regards to the Legion packs? Well, I think the ultimate answer to that is, in the immediate future, no. I don't see it changing at all. Uh, The only thing that might change in the immediate future is it will... Instead of saying FFG on the box, it will say AMG. I think you'll find this as a standard for all three games, just for the record. Nothing's going to happen in 2020, let's put it that way. And I think we're looking at at least like 6 to 12 months away before any sort of changes hit the market. We've got you still got product on the way at the moment, and there's no reason to rush something out when they're not ready. Yeah, completely agree. Now, this is another thing that the Legion guys have brought up, and again, I think this is actually going to go across all three games and that is the release schedule this is an interesting one for me because as a legion player we have been complaining constantly about the lack of releases the lack of product available which is obviously a production thing which as we talked about on the the champions episode is not fantasy flight strongest suit whereas marvel crisis protocol i actually struggle to keep up with the amount of releases that they have now it's only a small game but if they're releasing four packs every month it's a bit of a hefty investment for me to to keep up with that and I really want to but I'm struggling. Yeah, we need to find a balance somewhere. It's the trading card games again we talked about those recently. They just about have the balance of a huge set every 3 months and again that's where it sort of limits you to one or two trading card games to play you know competitively because it's such an expensive hobby. For that reason, the miniatures games follow the same protocol. Even Games Workshop follows the same thing. If they, they know themselves, if they release too much of the same game, they flood their own market and people just physically can't afford to keep up. And I don't think Atomic Mass at the moment quite have their head around that side of it. Whereas Fantasy Flight have gone too far in the other direction. If you, the product becomes so expensive on the second-hand market because no, no poor bugger can afford to actually find a copy in the first in the first yeah. place yeah exactly i mean i'm still waiting on one of my um marvel champions boxes to turn up because the distributor i bought from the shop well i say that the shop i brought from got 35 percent of their order from the distributor mm. and i wasn't in the first 35 percent that paid for it so i'm still waiting to this yeah. day so i mean that that sort of shepherds shepherds us on nicely to some of the pros that a lot of people have seen and That is one of the things that a lot of people have already highlighted is they're optimistic about it because Atomic Mass Games have a proven year-long track record since their 
conception that they are able to deliver when they say they're going to deliver and in certain circumstances massively early massively early thanks very much you know i'm really happy with that that leads us on to to pro number one is this going to be a much better production and supply line for the miniatures games what what would you say to that i'm optimistic that it will be as i said i i'm just hoping that they can learn lessons from each other and we get a balanced release schedule because these games are all star wars so they all appeal to the same people or most of them do if you flood all of them with lots of releases all at once it will kill all three games in one fell swoop yeah especially if you're essentially like me i mean the only one i don't personally play or or should i say the only game i don't personally own is armada which i have covered (laughs) uh, which you have covered but and as i've said i would already want to i would love to go into an empire army and um, both a separatist and a republic armies as well Mm. and but again it's it's probably the most i don't want to say it's the most expensive of the three because in balance it probably isn't Mm. but it's the one that visually looks the most expensive because each individual miniature can be the most expensive Mm. things for their size but at the end of the day if they started releasing it on the same sort of schedule that x-wing currently has it would be the most expensive yeah so you know that that's one thing that i think could be a pro and a con is if they decide to turn those games into the same sort of release schedule as Marvel Crisis Protocol, you are talking one of the biggest cons for me at all, and I think you will kill games I if they do I think the way that. to look at this pro list is it is more pro discussions that come with a double-edged sword, because I'd like to segue on to another one, is um, a pro is that we should have better miniature quality, but Crisis Protocol comes kit form unpainted. And I would like to add, if you actually work it out for the models, it's actually quite a bit more expensive. Yep. So I don't think you'll find as many unless they release two different versions of them of the Armada or X-Wing players being too pleased to see unpainted miniatures coming mm. out. Um, I mean that is another thing that a, a few of the you know one of the real sort of fears from the X-Wing and Armada community is that they're going to have to start building and painting their minis which I I'm just going to inject my opinion on that is I do not see Atomic Mass Games essentially committing game suicide by changing that. I The only thing that I would say is, and, and again, I can be on the fence of this because I am learning to build and paint models at the moment. I could see them trying to do the cheaper alternatives to churn out the same minis as a kit form or as an unpainted form because the um, customizers out there that we've mentioned in previous podcasts would have a field day with that. You can imagine a Star Destroyer coming in pieces that you can put your lights in and drill your holes in while it's in kit form, build it all into the miniature, then put it together rather mm. than having to try and meticulously pull a miniature apart, risking it breaking to only then want to put it back together once you've made a few tiny holes in it. Yeah. You know, there is some benefit to them coming in a kit form, but you're also going to want people that want to just play it straight out the box. And again, I can easily fall in either category here because I don't know, you know, it's one of the things that always put me off Games Workshop for a long time of I couldn't be bothered to sit and have to build then paint like 50 million of the same trooper to just actually have a bog standard army to sit and play with. 
And if you told me I've got to, um, got to sit there, I mean, even now, I find it difficult with Armada to play with the Starfighters without wanting to mess around painting them. But those things are freaking tiny, you yeah, know? they are. <laughs> so to make them look nice is difficult. Mm. Fun, but difficult. Or you can just play with them as they are and it doesn't make a difference. They're still fully functional, but it notices it's noticeably different when you've already got pre-painted miniatures. Yeah. I, I, I Like I said, I, I don't see them removing that from, from the game because it is one of the big selling points of both x-wing and armada um and also all of the alternatives like star trek attack wing and stuff like that all come pre-painted that they do yeah but i would like i would like to see if they trial an option of would you like or even a poll you know would you like either i don't think i'd like to see them replace them but to have the option of a cheaper model say five quid cheaper um, for an unpainted kit form i just think that i actually think it would be a niche in the market that would sell well Mm. Again, all my own opinion, but I know plenty of modelers and plenty of painters out there that would have far better time. Yeah, and it goes both ways as well, to be honest. Uh, there's been a few people that say that it's one thing they put that put them off of playing Legion uh, when it first came out was the fact that they you know, they don't like painting, they don't like building them. It's why they never got into war games in the first place and why they took up X-Wing. One, because they love the franchise and, and the game mechanics, but two, they could just buy the box and go. And yep. play. So a lot of people have sort of said it would be nice if they considered doing a a set of pre-painted miniatures for uh, Legion as well. So it would be interesting to see. I personally wouldn't like it if they went permanently over to pre-painted miniatures because I, I like my building and I like my painting. So yeah, I, I, it's not something I would like to see. But I would love to see them do both. It's one of these discussion points that's never going to have a correct answer. No. Yeah, because the same way Crisis Protocol, it would be a fantastic exercise to see how many pre-built, pre-painted miniatures mm. would sell. Yes. I know the charm of the game is in doing it yourself and people like that. But, you know, it comes back to that full circle of would the game sell more if there was that as an option? Another question. So more for you guys out there as well. I have a personal hope that I'd like to see come out of this move is... Star Wars as a universe, we have Legion, which is character-based, troop-based miniatures. So you can't really go too big. You could put things like Atats in it and stuff, but they would be immensely colossally expensive, broken, and high-costing. We have the other end of the stick, where you go into X-Wing Armada and have cool space battles. One thing we don't have at this moment in time is ground-based battles with the bigger machinery like scaling armada down you know x-wing sorry scaling x-wing up to armada i wonder if there is now room with a miniatures focused company to scale legion up to a war you know commander and conquer style so sort of joining the um with ffg they they obviously introduced epic play uh with say x-wing where you could start introducing the larger ships obviously they were horrifically out of scale but you were able to get the larger ships involved in the X-Wing battles. Yeah. And I believe with Armada, it just made the battles bigger, if I remember correctly. And yeah. that enabled you to have the Super Star Destroyer that but they But my bigger released. point is it's like taking Armada, you know, taking the X-Wing players to Armada. Mm. So you had, you had your little spaceship battles. You could get things like the Blockade Runner and stuff in it. But as you said, they were huge. You'd never be able to get a full-blown Star Destroyer in X-Wing. No. So they made Armada. Why not have something like, let's take a look at the Battle of Geonosis on um, uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah. You've got a million and one um, droids 
fighting against a million and one clones with all of the tanks, all of the walkers, all of the hellfire droids. Why not make something to that scale? Yeah. You know, like the rebellion, um, you know, the Battle of Hoth comes to mind, snow speeders versus the Atats. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you think of Legion at the moment, you've got your... You could get up to a chicken walker and stuff, but you yeah. can't go much bigger. It would, no, exactly. So it, it would, would be, it'd be nice to see an epic scale uh, version of Legion and actually start seeing the bigger, stompy stuff yeah. uh, going around I'd the go table. I'd go for it. Yeah, uh, I would definitely be interested in that. So, And as I said, the one thing that they seem to be focused on at the moment is the prequel trilogy era, and it would fit perfectly. The ATTEs versus like all the Hellfire droids and you know the big spidery droid things and stuff. That would be a really cool war, you know, war-based tabletop. I mean, I'll, I'll sort of interject an- another idea here as well, and that is capitalising, which is something I will say Atomic Mass games are really good at doing, is capitalising what what's happening uh, in the current film universe and, and with Disney Plus, etc. And that would be, we've just seen the release and we're currently going through the release of The Mandalorian 2. We haven't really seen much of that transition over into the games, so I would be willing to bet that there's going to be some kind of Mandalorian-based game. Whether it be an interjection into, say, Legion uh, with the miniatures, or whether we would see something brand new. Because they did sort of drop hints that they were looking at all avenues, whether that be, you know, expanding gameplay with current games or even bringing brand new games to the table. So do you reckon that's something we could see? I hope so. There's there's so many options now opened up from this. As I said, it's also one thing we haven't mentioned. We've just focused on the miniature side for the minute. We we wanted to discuss that this opens up FFG to, I'm almost positive, bring another Star Wars card game back into the fold. Yes. We both discussed before recording this, we'd like to see Destiny reinstated. I don't think that will happen, personally. No. no. But, you know, a game function like that would be interesting. Mm. You've got role-play games and stuff as well. Everyone knows how much I love co-op. Talking about The Mandalorian, that would make for an interesting co-op game, you know, with all the, the both the um, Re- New Republic and the Empire still yes. lurking throughout to not keep too many spoilers for those who haven't watched. Go watch it. This is the way. <laughs> But they really need to do capitalisation on them. I've even seen Kickstarters at the moment. There's a I can't think what the Kickstarter is, but there's one that's got an, had an exclusive timed miniature of a knight with a little baby goblin that looks suspiciously like the Mandalorian and the child. You know, everyone loves it at the moment, and it is the, probably the best Star Wars we've seen for years. It's like Rogue One, where it's actual wars and nothing to do with main character story driven stuff that can easily be sidelined and go wonky looking at you seven eight nine (laughs) (laughs) so that's um that that's sort of my really yeah my sort of hope coming from all of this a new hope there is another segue that comes off of this as well and that is none of these games have covered seven eight and nine yet well actually no that's a lie x-wing has covered seven eight nine briefly armada and legion have not this is very true, and uh, they can they can stay that way. I don't need Kylo Ren in Legion. <laughs> but you don't want those gravity-defying bombers in Armada. Oh, of course. Uh... <laughs> but even so, but no, jokes aside, there are some nice ships in the prequel trilogy. I mean, you could have a fleet of Star Destroyers with Death Star cannons, and you're telling me that's not something you want to see in Armada. I like destruction, so I guess, yeah, we can, we can go for that. <laughs> you know, the, the Emperor has suddenly returned. We don't need an explanation why. He's just there. <laughs> My bad. Spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't seen that by now, then you know it's in the 
opening crawl. <laughs> so, this is not a subject that I like talking about all that much because I'm very opinionated when it comes to this subject. And, and that's because he's wrong. I may, I, I, I'm not wrong in my own mind, however, it's not something I take on personally, uh, just purely because I... I when I play a game, I, I like to, you know, it's, it's playing for fun. Um, and to be honest, when you start doing stuff like this, some people just take it a little bit too seriously and it takes away the fun of it. But we are going to talk about organized play because that is one of the key things that people are talking about. Obviously, with X-Wing, there is a, or there has been, a massive organized play throughout the years. FFG have always supported it. And obviously, with Atomic Mass games... I know from playing Crisis Protocol that there was an organised play due for the game. Obviously, they struggled with this because, you know, they came out in November and by December the world started closing down. So, they never really got the chance to display the fact that they had organised play. They also up. haven't had the chance to prove they can do it either. This is very true. These concerns for organised play, right now they are more than justified. Yeah. I mean, again, this is where me and Jason differ anyway. I am a big fan of organized play when done right. Um, I've come from a background of playing an organized play for 15 plus years on the Pokemon card game front. It's the reason that game has survived as long as it has. Same with all the other big boys out there. So I am going to be pro-organized play, but it has to be done well. It has to be looked after. It has to not be exclusive i both of us will agree we think destiny's death came about the fact that they catered to to organized play too much yes um and that's i know where a lot of your negativity around organized play can come from and i can understand that you know if you just cater to the tournament players the casual players lose out so it it just shows the balance required to have normal play and tournament play a game will die without tournament play you know i will happily argue that because people like to compete now as you said, they've got no proven track record. Um, so the fear is definitely justified there. However, one thing, um, actually on the day of recording, uh, give you a rough idea of when we're recording this, it is the 24th of the 11th. They have actually put out a another post, another press release. It is a very short press release, uh, one paragraph to be precise, and it, co it is covering their intention of doing organised play. And I'm going to read it word for word for those of you that haven't seen it. Atomic Mass Games is working on plans for organized play in 2021. One of our focuses is using organized play as a vehicle to expand the core game experience through use of events that feature alternative game modes, highly focused narrative events, and an emphasis on equally rewarding all of those who play, especially at store level where communities for these games thrive. Now, I'm just going to come straight in and say that, paragraph pleases me greatly yep and um, i'd actually like to dissect it a little bit just to talk about the organized play and comparing to what you were saying just now about how certain catering for certain competitive play can damage a game the idea of one doing narrative events i really like the sound of because it's very thematic and let's be honest when we're talking about star wars we love the theme what better way to make a really enjoyable event for the community than to have a completely immersive themed game yep i'm gonna i'm gonna say something one of our plans that unfortunately we never got to implement due to the amazing world we live in late last year we looked at the, the different games we looked at legion we looked at um rebellion as well um as well as x-wing and armada and came up with the idea and we we toyed with our locals about this 
of how cool would it be to get someone to run like a role-playing game in the middle of a room and then start setting off games with specific rules and between all the games trying to keep unique characters away you know which they've done with our things like armada you've got the campaign modes you know where as characters die they can't come back in later missions and run a story weekend where the events of each of the side games of like x-wing legion armada affect each other and the role-playing game in the middle as best they can for example say someone blows up luke skywalker's well say luke's got you launch luke skywalker's x-wing in armada as a as a little squadron and it engages with darth vader's tie fighter squadron you could then literally remove both those from a game and start an x-wing game with it Mm. or get them to light speed out or something chasing each other you then have your little x-wing skirmish go off one of them go blows up so they crash they crash into legion suddenly one of the legion players gets an extra unit and might tip the tide of a battle you know it's little silly things and we 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 were trying to really plot this like story weekend because you could also then throw those into the role-playing game as well yeah but then the world fell over yeah (laughs) thanks world but yeah i'd love to hear people's thoughts on that because it's something it would take a hell of a lot of planning and we are looking at it yeah and if that would be something that would interest people yeah let us know if it's definitely something you guys are interested in then it gives us the the motivation to really spend the time planning it out so yeah focus narrative events love the sound of that alternative game modes now i'm a huge fan of this too this this sounds really good because one thing i know i've talked about is say for example with legion for the most part, it's a skirmish game. I would love to see alternative game modes where you could maybe install a co-op mode or you could, you know, have... For example, we'll use uh, Crisis Protocol. They have scenarios that, you know, either put you heavily overpowered or underpowered or you've got the take on Thanos or you've got the work as a team to take on Ultron who just keeps respawning himself, you know, in the all-will-be-metal. All I'd love to see something like that for Legion. I mean, Armada's already done things like that. You, you part of the Armada core game is you, the the player with the least amount of point, you know, with the with the less amount of uh, points on, gets to pick which mission is picked mm. of the other players' missions. Me and Malakith, who we've had on before, have actually done four player games of Armada. Now, I do feel we needed to have been using those mission-based things because the rebels don't especially when i'm playing them don't take on star destroyers particularly well just an (laughs) all-out fight but playing things like that and co-op modes like you've just said story modes campaign modes have been a part of armada you can buy like the battle for the outer rim i can't remember the exact name that there's two different campaign kits where you have a whole load of missions with different rule sets so they've got working things of these sort of ideals done. And I've even seen it in things, again, I'm going to drag Pokemon into this because of experience. When the video games first introduced double battles, they brought it into the card game as a fun side option. Yeah. You know, um, when Pokemon Rumble hit, they did a steady little dice-based game that was hilarious. That was one of my favorite Pokemon things. Mm. They could do stuff for this. You know, there's so many weird and wonderful bits to do that will pique people's interest who are already playing and also bring new peers into the game. Yeah, definitely. And then the final thing to dissect from that uh, paragraph is equally rewarding all those who play, especially at store level. Now, the first and foremost thing to pick up there is they're clearly intending on doing this in multiple ways, not just in stores. Not sure about that one, but one thing that I did pick from that sentence is it's nice that people 
are, all people are going to get something out of turning up. Mm. There's nothing worse than going to a tournament, having a really bad day, and, and seeing away other with nothing. Yeah, paying a big amount of money to be there and walking away with nothing. Can you imagine turning up for a Legion like set, you know, expansion release, and everyone gets a free card or a free miniature? Even you know yeah. that would he- turn a few heads. Yeah, definitely. And our, my ears are definitely open for when they announce uh, any further details on their organized play plans and that includes with marvel crisis protocol as well so yeah i'm i'm really interested in the organized play and coming from me i think that says a lot i i genuinely feel atomic mass games is going to do really good things with it with organized play and keeping to their core principles of essentially keeping the games community based and not going straight after you know having people power play stuff yep that's basically all the things that we've seen circulating online, people's fears and, you know, their their worries, their questions, and the things that they're cautiously optimistic for. What are your personal things that you're looking forward to and not looking forward to? So, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more support for Armada because I'm going to be biased because this is the main one of the games mentioned that I play. I'm also really looking forward to seeing what Fantasy Flight do. We haven't mentioned those as much as we have Atomic Mass because we focused on the fact that Atomic Mass have gained the miniatures and not what Fantasy Flight have lost. We did briefly mention that they might turn their heads back towards their own stuff and they have a good catalogue, good history and a good library to fall back on. That they do, yes. So I'm interested to see what comes out of those. We need a good Star Wars card game. There hasn't been one for a while. And, and it's fair to say say like a lot of people are like oh you know fantasy flight are, are clearly really struggling and they're they're gonna you know they're gonna go out of business that's not the case at all you know fantasy flight games have got some of the best games and i mean we're talking one of the best things that they've always been able to do is produce a really good card game and a really good board game and they are amazing at doing those two things and that is essentially what they're being allowed to do and focus on but the big question is will they kick up um the and um, uh, kick it up a notch on actually getting these things to retail mm. you know one of the most frustrating things and we've mentioned it time and time again is the lack of stock everywhere 35 percent of an order for a shop is not good enough you know and it's not a isolated incident and it's not covid related no. because this has been going on for years so you know optimistic that hopefully if they're focusing on a smaller, a smaller game base a smaller game base hopefully we might see a better supply chain from Fantasy Flight Game. Yeah, and again, I'm looking forward to seeing um, if what they do with the miniatures, the plastic quality, the miniature quality of with Atomic Mass with all of these games. And like I said, what else might come new, brand new from them now that they've got a whole new fresh license to play? So I've got a few things... Uh, that are on my mind with regards to it we've covered it throughout most of, of of the show but one of the things i think people that don't play marvel crisis protocol but do play legion armada and x-wing will soon come to realize and that is how community-based um amg really is you know I, every week without fail they do live streams which is the atomic mass transmissions where they paint miniatures, they engage with the community. And we're not talking just random stuff. We're talking, you know, Will Schick, the person who's been running the company. They're passionate about it. what they do. They're incredibly passionate. And I think that the guys of Legion, you know, the guys that play Legion, the guys that play X-Wing and Armada, they will really appreciate that, providing it carries over, which I think it will. 
I, I think now it will switch to maybe we'll get an atomic transmission one week for Marvel, one week for X-Wing, one week for Armada, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think people will really like the community side of it that they have built um and i would actively encourage people to go and like their facebook page um i'm really looking forward to potentially seeing the models change for legion i don't want them to change the scale i don't want them to start making them tiny little pieces and you know ruining the building process however i would love to see them change the plastics i would like to see the harder it's quality it, you want better better components and a bit more detail because yeah. you can get that. And I'd be happy with some different poses as well because there's one thing I will say with Marvel Crisis Protocol, for the most part, not always, they have got the poses absolutely amazing. They look full of life, whereas with Legion, they kind of look motionless a lot. I'd maybe like see what they could do with their sculpting. And the key thing that I'm most looking forward to, and I really, really hope that this works, is... I really would love to see all three games benefit from a much better supply chain. Whether it happens or not quickly, I don't think that's going to be a case. I do genuinely think uh, Ian was right earlier when he said six to 12 months. One, oh, sorry, a couple more things from me. Um, these are the both pros and cons uh, that I'm looking forward to and not looking forward to. I really do hope for all of the players that are coming over from FFG to amg i really hope that you don't suffer a massive price increase i can see maybe a tiny bit of an increase especially for the pre-painted stuff but i, I kind of hope it doesn't happen because i'm fully aware that crisis protocol is very expensive for what it is that's and why I, I never got into it yeah if if the price goes up and matches their sort of pricing for that i think there's going to be severe issues i like to think that they're savvy enough that that won't happen but time will tell the other thing is as i hope you guys don't have to suffer the release schedule that crisis protocol has i came up with a discussion with a friend the other day and i think i even talked to ian about it which was what i would love to see release schedule wise is they've now got four miniature based games i would love to see one release per month per game there's a balancing act to be had in amongst all of this but it's i hope they make a good 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 job of it so that that's basically my my input on it is uh, i am i am one of the many that are cautiously optimistic about it i can safely speak from ex from experience they have done a fantastic job with marvel crisis protocol i really hope they continue that and carry it over into star wars I'm really happy that most people haven't lost their jobs over it. I'm glad that they've kept a lot of the key people on. Uh, and anyone that hasn't transitioned over has stayed with FFG to continue working over that side as well. I can see only good things coming, but I can also see that things could turn south. So time will tell. I think there's a lot of positives on the horizon, but then there's the risk and reward factor involved that we can see the possibilities of these going south very quickly, but we don't think that will happen so we're going to sign off i think both of us can admit we are both cautiously optimistic about all this i would urge everyone out there to also be cautiously optimistic give atomic mass games a chance it's not the end of ffg guys don't worry they're not going anywhere <laughs> they're just going to focus on what in our opinion what they do best so i'm really happy for both companies i think there's only positivity to come from this um so yeah what do you guys think we would love to hear your opinions you can hit us up on any of our social media websites facebook instagram twitter youtube comments you know 
whack them in there. We would really, really love to hear. Do you agree with everything we said? Do you agree with anything that we've said? I, I get the feeling this is probably going to be the the most controversial show that we've done so far. It's the most one open to opinions, and everyone is going to be different. And uh, it's also one of our very first Wargame-centric <laughs> podcasts. So if you've enjoyed us talking about war games rather than board games and card games and that, would you like to hear more content with regards to war games? Let us know that as well. We are still really young to this. We're coming to the end of 2020 now. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> Can't come soon enough. And now it's time to hand over to our guy in the new shed. He is our own tragic horror story, like episodes 7, 8, and 9. Yes, yeah, so now over to you, Emperor Brian and his royal guard pool. What's up with you? You've been sulking around here all day. What's wrong with Wingspan? I thought you loved that game. What do you mean you're not in it? You're hoping that you'd be in the latest expansion, but they may have forgotten you. Well, I don't like seeing you sad. What can we do about it? You want me to email Elizabeth Hargraves and ask her to put you in? Okay. Well, yeah, why not? If anything, it'll make a great promo card. Thought that might cheer you up. Right, email. Dear Miss Hargrave, my podcast co-host is really upset that his species was not included in your award-winning game that we both love so much. He was hoping that you could help him in realising his dream of being in Wingspan as maybe a special promo card. His name is Brian, and he is a rubber duck. What do you mean rhubarb duck? It's pronounced rubber. Okay, okay. How do you want it spelt? Really? Okay. R-U-B-A-A-R Duck. And what about the Latin? Foulus Plasticium. You're making that up. Okay, okay. It's down. Attributes? What do you eat? Wheat, fish, berries and fosters. I'm not sure that's what she meant by nectar. And your wingspan? I'd say about 12 inches, 30 centimetres. Nest type. Memory foam. Are you taking this seriously? Okay, okay, something soft. What about eggs? Two, why two? You don't think you cope with more than two kids? Okay. Habitat? Well, you're usually found in bathrooms, so water. Okay, okay, all of them. Right, points and special powers. I think a hundred points is a bit too much. Even the big birds don't have that much. No, I'm not talking about the one on Sesame Street. And I'm not putting automatic win when you get laid. think we'll leave that to Elizabeth's discretion. Anything else you want to add? Love you lots, Brian. Okay, sent. Can I get on with the news now? Thank you very much. Ubisoft's latest sprawling open-world video game, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, puts players in the axe-toting, long-boating boots of Norse raider Ivar. In the game, littered around both Norway and England, are tables decorated with an unassuming collection of carved tokens and dice. This is Orlog, a favoured pastime of Ivar's people that many players have come to love as well. That being said, Ubisoft will be working with pop culture collectibles producer 
Pure Arts to publish a physical version of Orlog in 2021. Orlog takes a more understated approach to conflict compared to the hours of pillaging and brawling that composes Valhalla's main campaign, but Ivor can find willing opponents next to hearths, along cliffside overlooks, or other calm spots with enough space to spread out a leather skin and two wooden bowls. The point of the game is to reduce your opponent's life pool, represented by rows of smooth stones, to zero before they can deal you the same fate. Players take turns tossing a collection of six dice decorated with an axe, arrow, shield, helm or gauntleted hand. These correspond to the main actions you take against your opponent respectively melee attacks, ranged attacks, ranged block, melee block or steel resources. On each of the three throws you may choose to hold back the results of your roll and retoss the rest. Players alternate giving each a chance to react or change their strategy. The biggest wrinkle to this relatively straightforward dice game comes in the form of god favours. The energy resource you collect from certain die faces can be spent to activate a special ability granted to players by one of the three carved idols on the board. These correspond with notable deities like Thor, Loki or Boulder and each brings different effects to bear. Choosing which favours to equip for each match can drastically change your strategy. Richer admitted that while the development team are professed board game enthusiasts, none boast professional design experience. This made creating a version of Orlog that was satisfying to play while also fitting into the expectations of a side activity as a challenge. Much like board games, they went through a paper design phase with the teams in Singapore and Chengdu, who have worked on virtual card games including Uno and Might and Magic in the past. The mess of sticky notes, scratch paper and physical dice gradually took shape through playtesting, but as development stretched into 2020, the three teams needed a digital solution. A group of designers mocked up Orlog in Digital Board Game Sandbox Tabletop Simulator, allowing everyone to experience the evolving versions in a faux analogue fashion. Unfortunately, anthropologists won't find these specific bags of dice buried with raiders anywhere. The goal was to have a game that would be credible rather than historically accurate as we didn't find any clear rules through our research. Norse culture was about gaining pride and avoiding shame in every aspect of their lives, such as combat, politics, argument and sports. We can't help but imagine Ivor absolutely crushing it as the vagabond raccoons in root. It's judgment time. I am the law. Block Mania, a classic board game based in the world of Judge Dredd, will be republished by 2000 AD and Rebellion Unplugged, the studio behind the Sniper Elite board game and Adventures Presents RPG. The reprint bundles both versions of the 1980s competitive game along with the expansion for adding multiple players. Players take on the role of residents of the towering megacities, hoping to deal as much violence and destruction to their neighbours as possible. The opponents put their boards next to each other and work through a deck of dirty tricks, as residents find weapons and resources to help wreak havoc on the block next door. Once the last card of the deck is drawn, the game moves into a last-ditch mode where players burn through whatever they have left before the judges arrive to shut the party down. The original game was designed by Games Workshop's Richard Halliwell and published by the Wargaming Miniatures Company, though it hasn't seen retail shelves in decades. The reprint collects Block Mania alongside the Mega Mania and Happy Hour expansions, which allow up to four players and provide additional strategy, enemies, weapons and obstacles to overcome. 
2000 AD says this limited edition run aims to replicate as much of the initial production as possible, including the game board, tokens and box art. The weekly comic anthology first started running Judge Dredd comics in 1977. It did not specify how many boxes would be included in this production run. The Blockmania reprint is on sale now via 2000AD's online store. A lead designer for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition has reassured that the RPG's changing approach to racial depictions will not end with its latest sourcebook. In a chapter of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, released last week, players are able to create characters without the inclusion of specific traits previously attached to each race in the tabletop RPG. Several fans have since expressed disappointment at how little the addition of a custom lineage option addresses the criticisms levelled at the game concerning its handling of racial stereotypes. Jeremy Crawford, Principal Rules Designer and Lead Designer on the D&D 5th Edition Player's Handbook, talked about the intentions behind the expanded character creation options. One of the motivations was, let's decouple your choice of class from the choice of race, said Crawford. Our other motivation was that by doing this, D&D would stop leaning into a theme the game has had since the 70s of particular species having these innate advantages that really do not speak to the narratives that people want to tell about their own characters, and is also uncomfortably like some of the racist narratives in the real world. Earlier this year, D&D publisher Wizards of the Coast acknowledged that certain races, such as orcs and drow, had been derived from racially insensitive and harmful stereotypes of real-world ethnic groups. Even though these racist narratives were not the intent of D&D's original design, there's no denying that people felt hurt by it, Crawford admitted. The last thing we want in our game is for there to be these real-world hurts sneaking into the player's experience. Wizards previously circumvented the issue of moral alignments being associated with certain races in Dungeons & Dragons, such as the Dark Elf Drow being traditionally depicted as morally evil by providing players with the option of ignoring alignments. Crawford admitted the problems with this compromise and the need for further changes to be made. What we've discovered is that this approach, where we are honouring the game's early legacy while also acknowledging that people want to be able to create the characters they want. The lead designer highlighted how recent D&D 5th edition adventure module Rime of the Frostmaiden did not include an associated moral alignment with its featured Goliath race, as well as how the monsters in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything similarly do not feature alignments. Alignment is going to be shifting entirely into a role-playing tool used to describe the moral compass of an individual. It's not something we're going to be leaning on as a way to describe entire groups. The character creation options, included in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, can also be found on the online tool D&D and Beyond, as well as being provided for players for free by Dungeons & Dragons organised play community Adventurers League. However, Crawford said that the options will not be made available for free on Unearthed Arcana, D&D's website for testing new or upcoming content, and could not confirm whether the options would be included in future prints of major 5e rulebooks, such as the Player's Handbook and Dungeon Master's Guide, or in a potential 6th edition of the RPG. When questioned what else Wizards of the Coast were doing to address the problematic elements still present in D&D, Crawford discussed the company's plans for the future and vowed that the additions in the latest sourcebook are part of the larger initiative. We don't consider what we're doing in Tasha's Cauldron to be the end of the work in this regard, he explained. It's actually a part of a much broader set of steps we're taking, which are really going to take several years to fully implement as we change how we treat some of those aspects of the game. Roll 
The online RPG app that launched on Kickstarter earlier this year with the aim of offering a dating app for role-playing groups is opening up early access to anyone who wants to give it a go. Similar to online platforms such as Roll20, Roll combines video and voice chat with RPG-specific digital utilities such as interactive character sheets, virtual dice rollers, a deck of cards, maps and other drag-and-drop tools in a shared environment it calls the table. The full app will feature dedicated networking tools designed to help players find others to form a role-playing group with, including the ability to search by a specific game or genre, player's level of experience or the difficulty of a rule set. In a tweet, the developers announced that early access is now open to anyone. As well as opening up early access, Rolls developers said that the app has been updated to add support for custom game templates, allowing players and creators to create character sheets and other assets for an RPG, including homebrew content. The sheets include the ability to automate certain actions in the game, as with the pre-made sheets included in the app. The full release of Roll will feature a marketplace with exclusive content. Among the releases planned during its first year are supplements for RPGs Lancer, Masks and Swordsfall. The app is said to be fully DRM-free, allowing for any game to be played using the platform and any content purchased via the marketplace to be used outside of it. Roll has already launched its early access with a free guest entry tier for those joining already established members, with access to the current system at $8.99 which adds all the features such as additional players, unlimited tables and expanded support for custom assets. The full launch is planned for May 2021. And sadly, last week we heard the sad news that David Prowse, the man behind Darth Vader's mask, passed away after a short illness at the age of 85. Although he was known mainly for his role as Darth Vader in the original trilogy of Star Wars films, many of us older listeners remember him for looking out for us over busying roads as the Green Cross Codeman. His career also led him to the titular role in iconic Hammer horror films in Frankenstein, as well as gracing our screens in The Saint, Space 1999 and Doctor Who. All of us here at Crawley Gaming Community and Mid-Sussex Meeples would like to send our deepest sympathies to his friends and family at this sad time. In all aspects of life, we'll always remember your words to stop, look and listen. And over to Kickstarter. Well, we're coming into December now, which means a serious downturn for anyone planning a board game Kickstarter campaign. But I have found a couple... So uh, let's go on and see about those. First one up is Father Brown Investigations. Out on December 8th, it's for two to eight players. In Father Brown Investigations, players are tasked to complete an investigation by collecting all cards critical for a chosen investigation before the end of gameplay. Inspired by the marvellous mind of G.K. Chesterton and his genius sleuth priest from both books and popular TV series, this game tasks players with gathering clues and evidence while providing thought-provoking Chestonian insights about the man, the universe and God. Most of the cards will contain motives, paradoxes, scenery and characters taken from Father Brown and plenty of Chesterton's quintessential humour, wit and wisdom. An exciting, engaging and unique gaming experience filled with a spirit of Chesterton that anyone can enjoy. You'll either play as the investigators, players represent different investigating forces, Scotland Yard or private detectives. Each one is granted with one special ability, all of them compete for clues to complete their own investigations. 
the enemy. Be careful though, other players may try to interfere with your investigation. But there's also the chance of meeting Flambeau. The great criminal mastermind will do all he can to muddle ongoing investigations and render them incomplete. Or the priest. Throughout all, players will be aided by the wit and wisdom of Father Brown, whose theological and criminological insights will help players solve the mysteries of the games and maybe the universe. Out on the 9th of December is Winter Queen for two to four players and taking 20 to 30 minutes. In one faraway land, there is always winter. Once a year, Winter Queen announces a special competition for our court sorcerers. Using enchanted crystals, they create magical ornaments and the Queen pays for them with golden coins. The one to collect the most coins till the end of the competition is to become the next Queen's advisor. In this abstract family game, Winter Queen, you take on the roles of Winter Queen sorcerers, creating magical ornaments out of enchanted crystals. Each turn, you either place a new crystal onto the board, or use already placed crystals to score victory points depending on the spell books you and your opponents have. And finally, events, or considerably lack of. With the UK now back from lockdown 2.0 and into the new and as ever confusing tier systems, things haven't really changed much in regard to events, except for one exception. This week's Surrey Board Game Group event has had to be cancelled. That was due to be on this Sunday. Wednesday events at the comic shop have had to be cancelled until the area retracts into the Tier 1 status. December 13th for us at Mid-Sussex Meeples again is a no-go too. And I did say an exception, didn't I? Well, Trinity Gaming Cafe and Lewis Board Games Club have been given the go-ahead with the first return being tonight and every Thursday evening. They have had to reduce the capacity so it will be on a first-come, first-served basis you can book yourself a space by visiting trinitylewis.org forward slash community forward slash gaming. Apart from those, just a reminder that the CGC are always around on a Monday evening for fun and frolics on the Discord server, as are Worthing board gamers on a Thursday evenings, usually via Zoom and Board Game Arena. So head on over to Worthing Board Gamers Facebook page and have a chat with them for invites and such. And that's all from me and Brian this week, and uh, hopefully we shall see you again next week. It's a goodbye from him, and it's a goodbye from me. Always remember, stop, look, and listen. Thanks for that, Paul, and thanks for that, Brian. And thank you guys for joining us this week for our discussion about the awesome news... I'm going to say awesome news anyway, of the move of the Star Wars miniatures games from Fantasy Flight Games to Atomic Mass Games. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from us here today, please do leave us a comment on any one of the podcast platforms that you have listened to this on. If you're an Apple podcast, leave us a five-star review because you know you want to. You can join us on the Discord server. We're still running our Monday night clubs at the moment on there, and we're still on and off. Most days of the week, at least a bunch of us having a chat and a giggle and a good laugh. Indeed we are, yes. And uh, the, the Monday nights especially have been absolutely hilarious recently with me killing everyone. Of course, I'm talking about us playing Among Us. There is an imposter Among Us, and it's not Brian. <laughs> anyway, guys, we're going to close the show down here. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and we will see you next week. Stay safe, stay well, and have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.